0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Gladcast Basketball Podcast. We are back for another weekly edition. We are joined as usual by Mitchell. Mitchell, hello, how are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me back on. Uh, looking Aww. forward to this one.
0: So yeah, we in this podcast we are going to review the Surrey game uh, in which we've got interviews with players from both teams. We're going to preview the game against Plymouth. We'll also have a bit of arena chat after the first night. And we'll also preview both squads' games in Europe. And we'll have a special Gladcast episode about the European oppositions for the Europe Cup in the next week or so as well. So look out for that. Uh, We'll also at the end touch and see who Mitchell and I have as our gladiator of the week, which might be a bit of fun. So let's see. So yeah, let's touch on the Surrey game. Surrey game last week, uh, it was a seven point victory for the gladiators who ran out 86 to 79 victors over a Surrey team that just wouldn't go away. The um, team was led off the bench by Trent Buttrick, who double-doubled 15 points, 10 rebounds in, which, in three blocks – no, one block, sorry uh, – which really turned out to be his kind of explosive game.
1: I would totally you, agree. I think it's a big game. Um, massive game for us in terms of having our first game in front of home crowd. But also a big game in terms of the players that maybe haven't really had a chance to step up or haven't really had, done very well in preseason and our start of competition in Europe. Um, Trent is the obvious one with a, a really big game, MVP performance of the night. He was 100% in the free throw line, shot well, rebounded the ball well, did a bit of everything. He was a massive impact. But I like, think the team as a whole seemed a lot more comfortable at home and having that, having that home crowd cheering them on really helped to get them over the line.
0: Yeah, and you just have to look at when you're looking the delving the game closer. Um, it was really something that in all the kind of interviews we, I did post-game was it was about the team. Um, the team would all kind of said this was one of these games that if we could just put them away, it could have been a 25-plus point victory. Um, and that was to the respect of Surrey for just sticking around and making shots when they had to. You look at the spread of points, you had, what, four guys in double figures and Ian Boss had nine points. Uh, in 19 minutes you had Clifton in nine over in eight you so you had a really good strong spread of points across the board and uh, Faro also had a double
2: double
1: yeah wow. and Faro actually kind of set the pace quite early yeah he's he scored the first two points of first two baskets of the game for us and really came in that game with an intensity that he's been not really had for the for most games to start off the year so far. And having that first game, of getting the crowd roaring behind them, and then also having that dunk in the fourth quarter, also really must have been a really good confidence boost—not just for him, but for the club as a whole—to have that crowd yelling behind them.
0: Yeah, and it's probably also the first game where he's not got himself into foul trouble early on, which I think for Faro makes a massive difference. Um, one thing that I think this this year's squad look massively better on so far uh, is, th- is three throw percentage. I think that was one thing last season, we didn't look as good. I think there's been games where we maybe struggled a little bit. Mm. Um, Maybe it was a Europe game, actually, we struggled on our three-throws. But it makes a massive difference when you're shooting 85% from the three-throw line and then not having any real players in foul trouble.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, if you look at at the stats of the game, the highest number of player fouls for anybody was Trent on three. Free-throw percentage, nobody missed more than two one the four players missed one shot from the free throw line the whole game so like it was spread evenly it wasn't like one person was missing a ton of shots it was everyone missed a few of the guys missed one and it's it's massive and you can see the impact it has when we have a good rotation of players where the fouls are equal across the board there's no players getting in foul trouble early that are causing massive disruptions to the rotation and when we've got that depth there where everyone is available to play we have that flexibility there, where if players having a better night, they get more minutes, they play a bit better, and if we're getting filtered, we don't have that luxury.
0: Yeah, and I suppose you just have to look through the build team, the depths. Remarkable, and we'll preview it for the game with Plymouth. Like teams with lack of depths going to struggle when teams get filled. Um, let's let's talk a wee bit about Surrey. Um mm. They've kind of come in, they came into the game having only really played London, a close defeat as well to, I was going to say Manchester, but it wasn't Manchester, it was Sheffield, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, What did you make of Surrey?
1: Surrey are always a team I I worry about because we've, obviously last year when we played them at the first time in their venue, we clearly didn't take them very seriously and they took advantage of that quite heavily. Yeah. You could definitely feel the the, the attitude to the, the team this year was a lot better. They've got a lot of respect for us. I mean, you look at their squad who they've got, and some of the players they've brought in. I mean, Cam Gooden's done really good for what he has. He was not great against us necessarily, but he's shown he's a he's a scorer in this league. He'll be he will be a threat. You've got a one-two punch of the guard spot of Andrew Lawrence and Justin Robinson, who any given night could go off. And we have to respect that. I mean, Andrew Lawrence in that game was 75% from the field. Like that's... Yeah. He, he
0: also, if you care about bigger stats an index of 27, um, I think that was the highest for the game. Yeah, it was. Andrew Lawrence had the best index of the game. Yeah. Uh, he was brilliant. Probably you could say, well, why did they not give him the ball more to shoot? But he got nine assists in the same there. Um mm-hmm. They they, They also did look, however, pretty good on the offensive glass. And that is maybe um, when we talk about our team later on, something that we need to get better
1: at. Yeah, defending the the glass has been a bit of a struggle for us since the very start. Even all of our preseason games has been the same issue. Grabbing those boards has not necessarily been a strong suit for us. Um, But you see the difference in the games that we would win and lose is that the rebounding is such a big factor for us. We have a big team. We have a very long team up in Caledonia, and we should be getting more boards. It's just a commitment to do so, and rather than keep making sure you're focused on that side of the ball. Because we are, we work better when we're all locked in and we're all focused. If we're not got that sort of connection there, then these offensive boards come, and then that means that teams like Surrey, they, I mean, if you want to put it one way, they got twelve offensive boards. We've given up that many offensive boards. You can, in some ways, you could say we got a bit lucky that they didn't have a work that the scoreline wasn't worse off for us.
0: Yeah. So from those uh, offensive rebounds, they only got eighteen seven. I think it was seventeen offensive rebounds. They got eighteen second chance points. So let's hear uh, after the game. I caught up with returning and former two-time BBL MVP Justin Robinson. So yeah, let's hear what Justin had to say on the game and of.
3: Playing in the new arena. We're enjoying the game with Justin Robinson. Justin, welcome back to the league. It's great to see you back up here in Glasgow. Tough defeat for you guys. You've probably played really well. How could you sum that one up
2: for us? Yeah, I mean, you know, Glasgow is always a tough place to play. Um, you know, they got a, a bunch of talented players, they've got a good coach. Um, you know, we had our chances. You know, we, we brought it back to two, three points yeah, yeah. multiple times. Um we kind of just shot ourselves in the foot, you know. We just got to play with a bit more boys. Um, I'm just under pressure really. Um, personally for myself, I mean I, I'm just blessed to play again. You know, I had I had a pretty much a, a career ending injury. Um so for me to be playing right now and to be competing is a blessing for me man.
3: I got worried when you started nailing those first couple of threes. I was say like, it's gonna be a long ride. This is vintage, Justin Robinson was back, but you guys are the first guys to play in here, what was it like playing out there?
2: Amazing atmosphere, you know, um great facility. You know, if this one looks like this, I can't imagine what the actual facility looks <laughs> like, you know? um, Yeah, so it's always a good vibe coming up here, always a good atmosphere. Yeah, so what is, what's next for you guys this season? What's your objective for it? We just got to get back to the drawing board, um, watch some film and see what we messed up on. Um, and you know, we got a young group, so there's going to be a lot of growing pains, but this is why myself, Andrew Lawrence, Teo, the more experienced guys, you know, we're here to lead and help those guys in the process. Um, so, you know, we've just got to keep fighting and try and get a win. Justin, all the best. Safe journey home. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate it.
0: So let's, Mitchell, go back and talk about the gladiators. We touched on it a bit there when we said maybe giving up sometimes too many rebounds uh, mm-hmm. and protecting the paint a wee bit more. we look at the squad, we've got our, dis- our disposable we- disposal. We've got some cracking rebounders and some really good defensive players. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like when you've got Clifton, Farrow, you almost feel like your team should be getting these rebounds, but maybe that's testament to also where the league's going. Like you had Saquon Jameson getting, I think you got four or five. You had Hunt as well, the Kiwi, getting a good number. Is this just something where teams are just better at battling
1: on the boards? Potentially, it could definitely be a factor. But I think that when it comes to, for my opinion anyway, when it comes to rebounding, the defender always has the upper hand. They They should always be dictating the pace of, where the rebounds are going, where that ball's falling, and it comes from being locked to your defender, boxing it properly, and giving other players a space to grab that ball. And the offensive glass and rebounding is something we definitely need to work on. It is. It has. We got. We grabbed forty-four rebounds for the game, which is good, but that we still gave up. As we discussed with Sally already, we gave over double-digit offensive rebounds. That's a lot of opportunities. Um. I can guarantee for a fact Gareth wants better on that front. <laughs> we all do. We want every opportunity to grab those boards and get either get the ball advanced up the floor or just defend it to stop the offensive glass. Um I think with the players we have, I mean, you look at Farrow had 12 rebounds, 10 of them defensive rebounds. Trent was five and five on offensive and defensive rebounds. Outside of that, the next highest was Patrick Whelan on five, Ian on three. We need to be more consistent across the board on that. Everyone needs to be contributing on the off- on the glass to make sure that these offensive opportunities aren't coming. Yeah, yeah,
0: and it'll be interesting to see as we head into the next game against a team who don't really have that big presence. They've got some big rebounding guys and maybe Wiley and mm-hmm. uh, TJ Atwood defensively. So yeah, it'll be interesting when we touch on that. Mm-hmm. Um.
1: And Surrey were definitely do they bring a lot of energy to their game, and that's kind of their style. They bring a lot of fast paced intensity from start to finish. That's why the game was what it was. And Plymouth will do similar in many ways. And um, they don't have the same setup that Surrey do, they're also a very different team. But that sort of baseline of energy and intensity is there. That's what Paul James likes in his squads. So this but is.
0: I was also really interesting. Sorry to interrupt, Mitchell. Okay. That when I was obviously sitting down to walk at the Surrey bench and hearing them their dialogue of they wanted to get out and run and make us turn, um, there seems to be a bit of chat that maybe you play the gladiators at pace. You want to beat them up the court, um, which is really interesting. Mm. Uh, I remember as well, and it, it's when you look at the stats, it makes it more amusing as well that. Um, hearing Lloyd Gardner turn around when Paddy Wang had the ball saying Lucas couldn't guard him. Well, if he can't guard him, he stopped him. He only played scored seven points in 18 minutes. And if we're keeping a watch was last season one of their main threats um, who's maybe struggled so far this season to be seven points, three rebounds. Okay, got a couple of steals on. Actually, one of them was on, I think, Farrow or Lucas. Um, Then fair, fine. But it was interesting hearing people being like, "Oh, they can't guard him because of speed or movement." So it'll be interesting to see if that is a some like a dialogue that continues. if that's in what teams are scouting, It's being like, yeah. "Oh, and you can if
1: Yeah, if that is a scout for us, then the only response really is we play better team defense. And I think that's what Gareth is trying to focus on a lot: is that playing as a team on the defensive end and communicating constantly and supporting each other on on either side of the ball. So maybe it isn't a flaw that the team may have is that they're weak on transition, but I think that's only. I think we can. really are only getting better and better. I think we're just finding our groove. You look at the guards we have in terms of the intensity they bring. Dubose is a very energetic player on the offensive end. He does bring a lot of intensity on defense as well. I think the, the untapped potential of Jovicic on the de, on defense in particular showed a little moment of a few moments of it through that sunny game where he's playing really good pressure defense. And making it as hard as possible with likes of Justin Robinson, Andrew Lawrence to get open shots and get good looks. And I suppose Not that's when
0: you look at it as well. Andrew Lawrence has played really well in this game, mm-hmm. but he's he has only really taken four three pointers, which yeah, means to old. me, we've we've forced him into being the facilitator. Fine, he's got nine assists. Uh, I would love to break that down and be able to tell how many of them came to be threes or twos. There'll be some way I could work that out. That doesn't mean I need to watch the game in in its entirety. But, okay, he's got 19 points from shooting that efficiently. That's very rare in this league to see someone shoot that well. And actually, in reflection, and I I don't know if it was spoke on him Below the Rim or other shows, um, Andrew Lauren's stat line or whatever, it's actually really interesting here. I've not heard his name mentioned all week about having how good a performance that was.
1: Yeah, it, it's interesting the fact he's not been mentioned very much. I mean, he led the whole game in scoring. Like led the did... game in scoring,
0: led the game uh, in assists, led, yes. leads, the, leads the game in index.
1: I then mean, even his game on the weekends as well. He also had a really good performance in that game too. It's He's a very under-the-radar pick right now, which seems weird to say for someone that's of a high such a high notoriety as he does for GB basketball. But like if what if they find a way to get him more good looks and get him more games of that caliber, Surrey will pick up wins this year quite easily. And when Justin Robinson he took what he was what, three for twelve for the game, took nine three pointers, only hit three of them. It's not a typical Justin Robinson game, but you saw when he was getting open looks he was scoring them. And that one-two punch is a scary one for any team in the league. Definitely. And then let's finish
0: this game before we hear some interviews. Um, it was great seeing some of the guys really get involved and uh, the atmosphere kind of helped build it. Um, it was brilliant seeing Lucas have his best game in the kind of league so far, Farrell having his best game, Trent having his best game so far. And the fact we're saying so far is... A real positive. You look at the potential, potential for this team, and you talk about um, goals. Gareth said from on the Gladcast earlier on is the ambition is second place. So that comes with kind of lofty. and Those lofty ambitions come with it also a target on your back. So yeah, it was great to see uh, some of the new guys really step up and have their best game.
1: Oh, definitely. And I think we need, as you said, there's more to come. This is the benefit we do have is you get to see with the minute spread, that's one thing I've really kind of focused in on from watching the game is that there's quite a good spread of minutes from a crop for a 10-man rotation. The fact we've got 10 guys all playing double-digit minutes at this point of the season is a really good sign because it means that everyone can contribute, everyone can play their part and no doubt there'll be games where Lucas doesn't play very well, that means someone else has to step up, that could be a Fraz, that could be a Patrick Whelan, that could be Kyle The benefit is we have that depth where if one guy's not running, someone else can fill in. And having these guys all performing probably one of their best games of the year in front of the home ground is a really good sign. But that momentum now needs to keep going because the, the schedule for October is brutal. Every, I mean, From this point on, the men's team have two games a week for the next six weeks. And that's a minimum two week, two games a week. So the guys need to be on and ready the whole time. They need to be resting up, take care of their bodies, but they need to be ready and educating themselves and getting involved with the scout and getting ready for these games in the best way they can. And this is probably the best way to get that ball rolling in the right direction. Right.
0: So what you will hear now is post-match reviews from Coach Murray, Coach Wood, game MVP in Trent Buttrick, but also Captain Farrow and Pat Whelan. So yeah, you'll hear those voices now. Joint post game with Coach Murray. Gareth, a win in the end and the opening night for here. Sum that one up.
4: Yeah, once again, released that we got the win. I mean, Sally came out with a, a good game plan in the last four minutes. So they went to that 3 2 zone, really disrupted our offensive flow. Uh, we made them take tough shots and the end. We managed to get some stops and they had to foul us to get to, to finish out the game. But I thought it was a good game back and forth. It was entertaining from the crowd. Um, I'm obviously happy we won. That's the main thing for me. We want to win games. Um, we've got a target on our back first game at our new arena. Surrey's going to come out and try to be to ruin that party, you know, so we're, we're happy we won, to be honest with you. Yeah, there's a good spread of
3: points throughout the whole team. Is that something you guys try to emphasize on?
4: Yeah, for sure. We want to we want to use the depth that we have. We're not, not going to really... We're going to use 10, 12 guys every game. That was a mistake I made in the in Freiburg game where I didn't use the full bench. We didn't use our depth, and so that's something that I... I wanted to do over the summer tennis that's why I brought such a deep bench in, a deep roster to really utilise different style of plays, different um, lineups. Um, so yeah, I'm happy that everybody, those 10 players came on and, and did their job. So you always had Trent getting MVP off the bench, it was good to see him kind of hit the performance that you probably expected him to be. Yeah, for sure, I think he came in with a lot of confidence, he's had a good practice, a very weak practice um he rebounded the ball extremely well offensive rebounds gave us second chance opportunities He got to the free throw line made it open three so I am happy the way he played
3: so you're, what about what word for your opponents Saturday they came you had saw their veteran leadership and Andrew Lawrence and Justin Robinson
4: yeah they hit some big threes we kind of left them gave them too much space and let them get them we knew they were shooting a lot of threes right and they hadn't really shot the ball yeah. they were shooting 17% they finished the game with 25% they hit 8 out of 32 I think it was um, so they, there was there was Crucial ones, um, crucial moments is, uh, is the game plan was working, we wanted them to shoot from perimeter shots We didn't want them to attack and get downhill because they know we had Jameson coming yeah. over to rebound So it was more of, can we make them take perimeter shots? Yeah, we gave up eight, probably five of them were like not great contested shots um, So I'm, overall I'm happy we managed to get the win and we, we stuck to what we wanted to do So what's, what are you looking for going forward into the next few games? Um, just more consistency more understanding of when when the flow of the game is not really suiting us that what we can run what we can get into I thought we struggled with that at times tonight where um, they went in a 3-2 zone we drew up a couple of plays to run against the zone and we, they went back to man and we didn't recognise and just this, those like little interactions where if they throw different things at you we can we can adjust quicker pretty much right, so I'm good win coach and all the best for the rest thank you I right,
3: we're joined post game with coach Darryl Wood coach great win in the end Always good to get the first win
5: at home, but also being opening night. How was it for you guys? Yeah, I think that's the most important thing, you know. Uh, first game in this venue, hopefully the fans have enjoyed it. It's an incredible space for them. You can feel the buzz in the fan zone just now. Um, it was just important to get a win. Of course, after that sort of first quarter, I feel like we came out with some intensity, a bit more intent. Maybe we we'll gonna let that slip a little bit. So we'll have to look at the film out why that was, you know, we didn't quite fire like that all game, so that's a little bit disappointing, but like you say, the most important thing was to get this win at home and get the winning record started here. Yeah, so it was as if at times too many turnovers at crucial points, Surrey were starting making shots off turnovers and they just kind of stuck around. Yeah, 100%. I don't think it'll be a difficult one for us to find some quick fixes yeah. to. Um, turnovers were a big problem but so were rebounding, yeah. you know I think their second chance points ended at 18 that's not acceptable by us and then obviously our turnovers were high so if we take second chance points down and then our uh, points off turnovers down then to be honest it feels more like a 20 point win at that point so we just got to work on those things and get better. So well a great spread
3: of points and minutes for the guys and bench points was pretty high, Train obviously came off the bench and scored
5: 15 double-double for him How do you make of his performance? Yeah, Trent was great tonight, you know. We've known all all along that he's got that in his locker. He's not necessarily showed it in the first couple of games, but this is the type of team we've recruited, you know. We don't know necessarily who's night it's going to be on any given night. And as long as the players buy into that concept, we're going to have different guys every night who put up numbers like Trent did tonight. We're so dangerous in our depth, you know. It doesn't matter whether you're starting or coming off the bench. We know guys can perform at this level. Right, battle, good win, and all the best of the rest of the season. Thank you. How hey, we join game with
0: the game MVP Trent Buttrick, Trent. First home game, first home win, first MVP
6: for you. Double double for you. Great win for you. Great performance for you. Thank you. Thank you. It feels great. Um, like I said to the to the crowd, the, the fans were amazing. The home opener was packed. They brought the energy. We were able to bring the energy and get a, a tight win. But we ended up bringing home the win. We need that crowd every every home game. They're electric out there. So you came off the bench tonight, in about 25 minutes, putting up that double double. Great night both inside and outside. How do you think you played personally? Uh, I think I I think I did well. I was just trying to make the effort plays, and the ball was finding me. You know, not every night your night, but tonight ended up being mine. And my teammates were finding me and gave me open shots. And, you know, I, I got to the free throw line a couple of times, but just trying to make effort plays and, and play hard and, and play as a team. What did you make of Surrey's performance on you guys tonight? Uh, I thought they fought uh, really hard. They, they they kept kept themselves in the game. We got the leads, I think, 15, but they just kept closing the gap and closing the gap and fought the whole way. So much respect to them. They played really hard, and uh, yeah, they, they played a good game. So what's next for you guys? A couple of games coming up. or should we expect from them? Uh, I think we got another game on the 12th. And then we traveled to Romania and for a FIBA Europe Cup game, so um, just got to keep riding this momentum and keep pulling our wins and keep playing together and staying together and playing yeah. as a team. Great. Thanks, Jane. Thank really well done again tonight, man.
3: It. Hey, we're joined post-game with Captain Farrell. Farrell, it was opening night here. It's a good win. Could have been better, but yeah, sum that one up for us.
7: Yeah, the main thing is that we protect our home court. We do what we're supposed to, take care of business and get this win. Um, it, was, it was great to have all our fans here, our first home game. The atmosphere is amazing. Um, it's, I'm just really happy that we're able to play at home in front of our fans in such an amazing uh, facility. Yeah, what do
3: you think you guys can do, like mainly, to get better from that performance?
7: Yeah, we just need to learn how to read uh, the defense because they were switching up their defenses a bit there in the fourth quarter, and we weren't. Uh, we were ready for. Uh, something different and uh, so we were just a bit stagnant we weren't moving the ball around yeah. so we gave them a chance to get back in the game but of course we rebounded well we shot our free throws well we closed out the game which is the most important thing yeah you saw a really good spread of points throughout the whole team is that something that you guys emphasize on making sure the the ball is shared yeah i mean the main thing is that we've got a lot of depth on the team so we've got 10 11 12 guys that can play so you know we're going to go out there with our maximum effort and get the next guy in so, you know, we're up, we've got each other's backs and we're just going to keep going like that. We don't... Any, it could be any guys night every game. So, it's really good. The teams can't really style us like that. Yeah, it. absolutely. Farrell,
3: great win. All the best of the rest of the season. We'll speak soon. Thank you very much, Lennon. We're joined post-game by Pat Wheeling. Pat, it was home season opener for us, opening this facility. Big game, big pressures. How would you sum that one up? Yeah, I mean, not the prettiest basketball game. Um, I think you know, like like we just talked about, we, we never really got up to a huge lead, um, and I think you know we'll get better as the season goes on. at very teams when we're 14, 15, but always great to get the home opener win. You know, yeah, it was team. nice to see how you started on the floor, then you started kind of helping the guys off screens or whatever else, and also this team seems to be able to spread the points. Yeah, we spread the points, but I think I think our best asset really is going to be defense the whole season. Um, you know, we're an unselfish team, so I think offensively it'll be a different guy every night. And uh, I think we really got to stay locked in on defence and, and keep keep working hard on that side of the ball. And I word in Surrey, they came up the road looking to upset us all here and ready for in a decent performance. Is, yeah, I thought Surrey were good today. I think um, that point guard play is very good with Justin Roberts and Andrew Lawrence. Uh, two great players, you know, they got Josh Steele coming off the bench, He plays well. Um, yeah, I think they're a good team this year and I think
0: they'll pick up more wins than last year for sure. Hopefully it's so for them. Pat. good win. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and thank you again. Yeah, I appreciate it. So, Mitchell, let's now for our third kind of area, let's talk about the arena. Opening night, a sellout, a near capacity crowd, uh, a home win, which is always the thing you want to have in that first game in a new facilities to notch that first win under the belt and um, Near enough, basically Phil house. Brilliant game for the neutral or a new fan. The place was noisy. Like, that's the first thing that hits me. The lighting was superb in the place. The entertainment was superb. You were obviously on the bench as such. How was it for you?
1: Um, I think, oh, the best way to describe it was it's probably one of the best productions I've seen in bas- in basketball periods in terms of my experience in the UK anyway and this is just the start for us which is the scary thing like there is there has been we've got plenty of feedback internally and externally of things that did well things that didn't go well and it's all been taken on board and we're all, we're trying to improve it on a game by game basis to make sure we're building the best product possible from court sides it was really really loud like i actually have said to a few guys if it continues to that level of intensity, it'll be one of three venues in the UK that I would need earplugs to to work in. Basically, it's that loud. The, all the other two being Plymouth because of where this where it's kind of positioned within their facility, and also Bristol purely because of the proximity of the fans and the fact everything echoes in that place. Um, I, I thought the lighting was really well done. I think it really. I love the darkness of the spotlights during the timeouts, I think that's a really good good touch because it brings all the focus to this is them, their planning moment, and as much you have the cheerleaders dancing at the cheerleaders, the dancers in the centre of the court all dancing and getting a lot of attention there, for the more basketball minds, you're drawn to these spotlights and what's going on, there's a lot more focus on the game itself, which I I really like, and a lot of comments I've had from basketball fans that watch the game really love that element too. the introduction of the mascots was also incredible. Yeah, I, like them. I really like them. I really. I'm a big box. fan.
0: Of, I'm a big Maximus fan. I'm a big Maximus fan.
1: Well, um, um, I I loved it. I thought it was incredible because because of how they separated the entries, because they had one entry from one side, one entry from the other, and then everybody on one side you could only see one mascot. Everyone on the other side could see the other mascot, but you could never see them both. So you had no idea there was two coming out until they were already on the floor. So it was chaotic. I couldn't stop laughing at one point because just the dance routine was. For me, it was more so the fact that Minimus was so corny with it, and Maximus clearly needs to work on his skills a bit.
0: Yeah, I think Maximus needs to be hitting the hitting the hitting the changing uh, the changing room, the, the <laughs> sports hall, get practicing. Maybe it doesn't need me in the change room. Get a bit of a warm up, a bit of a pep talk because. Maybe stage fright game one, whereas Minnie Moose came out and she owned it 4
1: Actually, I'm sure she can, she'll, he'll pick up some tips from her through the season, no doubt.
0: Yeah, but yeah, it was brilliant and obviously heading into Plymouth. A Thursday night tough one as well because you've not only got Thursday night, we've also got a Scotland football game to compete against, which isn't ideal. However, it's a massive game for Scotland, so maybe it's enough. enough. But games on Sky again. Yeah.
1: It's a good oh. one. Two, two Sky games in a row to start the venue. Can't complain.
0: I, mean, I don't remember that being in the original press release from the league, but hey-ho, we'll, we'll take it. So let's fire straight into the former City Patriots. Mm-hmm. They've had a turbulent year. I'm not talking about season. Turbulent year. They had mass changes at the start of the calendar year to their squad, and PJ decided to roll the dice heading into the new season. They've recruited a really interesting team on paper. They um, brought up from B1 or England Division One. Taylor Johnson, um, he same uh, college kind of build up and played last year with uh, League MVP uh, League Player of the Month Van Rye. KG Atwood comes from my season over in Europe, playing in the I think of Slovenia or Slovakia, Slovakia, uh, a league that Ramon Fletcher kind of excelled in. They've brought in Mason Faulkner as their kind of combo guard. Mason has really kind of led that team really well. From, he came from Louisville. And then they've got Jacob Wiley, um, who played, kind of played three Division 2. Um, Plymouth come into it with a mixed start to the season. And they've won one, one out of four games, five games, sorry. Um, they beat the Sheffield Sharks and had close defeats to the Giants and also Leicester Riders they have been blown out by the Bristol Flyers in their other two games. Bristol maybe... Do you know what I think? I actually think, the Mitchell, that I've got to stage. I think Bristol could just be their bogey team this year because that's two very similar performances from them.
1: Yeah, they definitely could be. I mean, looking at the scoreline, you're looking, what, 63-92, 65-82? So that, that's probably credit to Bristol's defence and how they sort of manage the game. So... Yeah you're seeing a team that's consistently hitting the same tally of points each time, but the other team's beating them regardless, because even the, the points difference that they're scoring, they're holding up a certain number of points. So I think that the, Bristol could very well be a bogey team for Plymouth, which is a shame, because that Southwest derby is one of the most intense in the league.
0: Yeah, and I think you look at it, it's for them their closest kind of rivalry geography-based. Um, I think in the past couple of seasons, latterly as raiders the Plymouth franchise and maybe the start of the pats last season they had some really good matchups and Mm. um budgets make a massive difference in this league as we know um but it also seemed with the last game shots just weren't dropping for Pats. they seem to in games when they get close and to get to almost tighten up and just play one-on-one basketball they put the ball in either mason faulkner's hand tj atwood's hand and then hopefully if those guys if those guys make it, they make it. But if they don't, they dribble into trouble. They're hoping that the defence has the defense collapsed enough that someone like a Taylor Johnson's open for a three. Mm. Um,
1: okay. They've my also... Question,
0: called... uh, on you so, go, sorry?
1: So my question for you then is, just looking at the single you just mentioned there, what was the difference for the Sheffield game? Because obviously we were playing Sheffield on Sunday this week. And what was the difference between the Plymouth victory against Sheffield and the was against these losses?
0: Oh, that's it's a brilliant question. So, I, I think that Sheffield game, they made shots. Plymouth's issue is they don't make shots. Plymouth also um, got some decent defensive kind of minutes from Mackay Noble. They won't. My understanding is Mackay won't be playing. Um, he's still out of concussion protocol. Um, they got some efficient minutes from Joe Hart defensively. He made his first bucket coming back from injury um that sheffield game was really interesting because they starved some of kind of you'd ex- they starved some of kind of Sheffield's main guys from scoring ramsey had a ramsey Routinho, um didn't really hit the lights ben and Cook didn't really play either um, so it's a really and that I find that was a really interesting matchup because they limited the star players and it meant that just really pipkins went to work um, I think, is it RJ, Ethel Rock did okay for them in that game. Um, but if I remember rightly, I think in the end, that was just Plymouth in the end making some tougher shots. Mm-hmm. rather, And maybe when you then, I'm actually just opening out, Sheffield didn't have a good game that day. Mm-hmm. Um, Kipper Nichols, it was his first game kind of back in there. Mm-hmm. He'll make a massive difference to them. But as I've said on other forums, I'm not a big Sheffield man year, I don't think they're actually... They've got some decent results so far. They obviously opened their new place and absolutely annihilated Newcastle. Mm. But I would now... If I was to change mine, I'm still not massively convinced that Sheffield are going to be that great. Mm. They beat a Newcastle team that are kind of going through a sticky patch. And Plymouth beat them because Plymouth kind of beat them at their own game. Mm. So I think Plymouth... Are there for the taking if we can upset their rhythm? We don't allow them shots. Um, Plymouth are going to be really interesting to see how they come out, how their depth is going to go. They've mm. got no one that can compete with our size.
1: They've only got have- um, Johnson's, what, 610s listed as 610?
0: But he plays on the primer.
1: Yeah. Like, and that that probably works better for our guys. Think about, I mean, Trent Buttrick's probably a similar size. And he's playing the four-man. Our five-man won't even
0: bother touching him. I, I could see a situation where, if you think, if DeAndre's on court with Jacob Wiley, mm-hmm. DeAndre would be guarded by our four-man, and Jacob Wiley, who plays more inside, will be guarded by our five-man. We've got yeah. we've got two really athletic five-men. If mm-hmm. we put DeAndre, if they've got DeAndre Johnson on and we've got Trent up against them, brilliant. If we've got Clifton mm-hmm. Moore against them, brilliant. Prince Onwas, brilliant. Because he's not, he's kind of the same as uh, Cooper for Surrey. He's not really hit the ball going with his three ball shooting, mm-hmm. and if you've got a six ten big man who it just lives on the three point line, mm-hmm. thanks very much. And in, in this league this season,
1: yeah, Plymouth and Plymouth is always one that's kind of they're a lot tougher at home than they are away from home. I find I think yeah, and also that this this is the longest travel of the season period. This is the longest trip. In the league, possible, and it's not. I think, any... they
0: tra- I think they tr- they've travelled up today. Have they? Um, it wouldn't surprise if my, me. If my source is to be believed.
1: <laughs> well, it would not surprise me, but they haven't requested court time, so we'll wait and see. Um, but I am definitely curious about Plymouth because they're they are they have similar characteristics to Surrey. Um they are very much a, a, a team that relies on momentum and runs and open shots. So the, the real thing, the only thing really of the priority should be for the gladiators is make every three-point shot and every shot as possible as tough as possible. Don't give them any easy looks. And you look at who they've got on their roster, I mean, the rotation they play this year hasn't been particularly deep. You've got one, two, five, four guys, five guys playing more than 22, 23 minutes a game. No one else is even getting really close. And we've seen the last couple of games, Mason Faulkner has massively stepped up. So that's who my eyes are on initially, purely just because of his scoring potential and the fact that he's being such a dynamic player for them at this point of the season, it it matters. Yeah,
0: he made a massive difference. He didn't play the first season. And this is what first week of the season they played against Bristol. They were blown out, but they didn't have Mason Faulkner. Mason made that massive difference. And Mason Faulkner was brilliant in the first half this week. He wasn't um, great the yeah. half, and he did make. You saw the difference Mace Faulkner made to that team against Leicester, against Sheffield, against Manchester. Mm-hmm. However, like any other player, as this is his first year, pro, he sat out last season. Mm-hmm. He he's the type of player that okay, he had a really good first game, but the coaching and execution of game plans is much stronger now in this league.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That players need to learn how to adapt. That was one thing that Christian Keeling. Good throwback here from Grant. Mm-hmm. Christian Keeling came into this league in his first two, three games. He blew the league out. Nobody knew how to stop them. He mm-hmm. then had to, from games four, five, six, seven, eight onwards, had to find if he found it tougher to score mm-hmm. because he was the main man of the team. Yeah, I would say that's where Mason Faulkner is right now. He's now played. He's playing over thirty-three points a game, yeah. eh, thirty-three minutes a game. Sorry, and you've got. Welcome you've to the high, high school. Welcome to the high scoring card Well, yeah, and you look here, he's what is he? Uh, Mason Mason is playing 33 minutes a game, he's 18 points. He's having he's scoring all the so three brilliant. He's 41% from three, brilliant, 50% from two. So that's a and six assists. So he's their he's their main man, he's our he's our leader. If we can on on Sunday, that's how much we used to just have Sunday games. If we can from those three main guys. Stop one or two. Mm-hmm. Gladier should win this game.
1: Yeah.
0: Whereas from their point of view, I'm really and seeing their scouting Obviously, we're heavily biased because well, that's what we're here to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We've just said it early on. If we've got one guy scoring, and sorry, we've not gotten a guy scoring. We've got some who we've got next man in, pretty mm-hmm. deep down our roster. They've got three guys that are playing massive amount of minutes. You could say four and uh, Jacob Wiley, but he's having to work really hard for his stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm fascinated by the matchup just because of the dynamics of the match uh, in terms of roster depth, in terms of roster size, in terms of the actual bodies and makeup. Um, Surrey are a bigger team than what Plymouth are. So it'll be interesting to see how size, athleticism differs between the teams.
1: Yeah, I think the one player that I think Plymouth are missing this year is Rashad Hassan. Having that inter- yeah. internal presence and the inte- and the smartness inside from being a veteran of the league would have been such a difference maker in this game. Like you think about who you've got inside for us, you've got Faro and Clifton. You've got the knowledge of Faro, who's let's be honest, in the in the inside position wise, there's no one with more experience on our t- um against Plymouth that has that knowledge. Hassan could counter that out. He was also a really good rebounder, which would be an absolute nightmare for us. Um, Clifton and him could be an interesting one, because I think Hassan would be very crafty inside, while Clifton could be a a bit more of a shooter, could probably draw draw a bit bit more from the basket, give our guys a bit more room to work. But you look at that team, here's a question for you. Scratch Mason Faulkner, we've already touched on him, we've already kind of gone through pointers for him. Aside from that, who's your second guy that you want to make sure every shot is as hard as possible and make it a hard night for them?
0: A Great question. So for me, you you've got there are two guys that then Taylor Johnson and TJ Atwood. Both similar ish, they both will take an out or a mid to outrange out range out, uh, three ball point shot. Taylor more likely than TJ, he's more likely to try and slash inside and work around the basket, or he does that and he does that well. Taylor Johnson's an interesting one. He's a volume scorer. He'll shoot the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. There's three guys we've touched touched on. This is what they how many shots through five games. You've got TJ Atwood taking twelve shots a game. You've got Taylor Johnson taking eight shots a game. You've got Mason Faulkner through four games taking five six shots a game. A few goals. You put in that three balls. Mason Faulkner's taking thirty four. Um, DeAndre Johnson's taking twenty-two. Taylor Johnson twenty-four. So they're going to shoot a lot of threes. Mm. That's what um, Plymouth are going to do. So if you can limit the three-ball option for Taylor Johnson, our interior defense will beat them. I would agree. So I think you, if you take away Taylor Johnson's threat, and they're left to say a TJ Atwood again, I'm not worried by that because you've got guys like Lucas Pleasure. Fraser Malcolm off the bench, Kyle Johnson. I'm I'm really curious to see what our coaches do as a player matchups.
1: Do you think there's a chance we could play a small ball lineup without a without a five man?
0: I would say no. I don't. Hey, that's a really good, interesting point. It depends. So if you're doing that, you're putting Trent at your five. Are you then putting Lucas at your four with maybe Kyle Johnson or Fraser Malcolm at your three with Pat Wheeling at your two with? Ian DeBoz, Mihailo at your one, that's a really exciting lineup for us. That becomes a really much of a shooting line to match the Patriots one. Does that go with what coaches want from us this year when I think we would dominate the inside battle? I'm not sure. It would be that would be really fascinating to see that combination on court from a sheer volume shooter or yeah, shooter point of view.
1: Yeah, it's, it's an, it just it came across my mind just looking at, looking at their roster and thinking they don't really... We I mean, we match them size for size, position by position. If if Farrell gets in foul trouble, if Clifton somehow gets in foul trouble, if they both get in issues, we could easily put Clifton or even Prince at the five spot and play a small ball lineup because we've got everyone aside from Farrell really can shoot the three ball on the team, realistically. So we could do a small ball lineup and spread the floor nice and wide and make it as, give us plenty of space, which also means if Mihailo, if George jo- is playing your one spot at that point, it means that he has four options available to pass that ball out. It yes. also gives, it, gives our guys the bows, it gives Whelan, it gives Eva, gives Mihailo himself and Kyle Johnson as well, opportunities to attack the basket and also draw defenders in to then get other shooters open. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to happen in the game. It's just it's just a thought that came across my mind looking at the. the and the more I look at this Plymouth team and thinking like, we sh- interior we should absolutely destroy them. But the, the the question for me is: this has to be a win that sets some momentum going forward. The win against Surrey was one thing, but we need to put Plymouth away early and and beat them because beat them confidently before we go play Sheffield on Sunday and before we play City U next week as well. And for us to do that, maybe that is if our shooters get going, we play a smaller lineup, spread the floor and get more shots on the floor and maybe give our big guys a rest for Sunday because Sunday's a lot more physical, a lot of a tougher game than tonight could be.
0: But is it? That's my thing of what I'm thinking the league's getting like in terms of teams matching up and whatever else. I think they're really similar games. We're not seeing Bennett Cook as much for Sheffield. He played pretty decent against Newcastle. But that was a blowout win. So I'm really curious to see. We're still obviously f- we've three, four, five games into the season where we're not really seeing the there's not really a kind of this is what this team's doing yet. There's a lot <laughs> of changes happening. Um I think teams stick around. You just look, Patriots are dangerous. You saw they're probably similar to what gladiators were last season in terms of games that we lost. They lost the game against Manchester. Plymouth should have won that. They lost the game against Leicester. They should have won that. They should have won those two games. Those two games were chances where Plymouth, when the going got tough, they struggled. They're going to find a way eventually to win those games. So I am really intrigued by this game. I think it's one that Gladiators should win by just by the sheer depth, talent, um hopefully variety of our attack that allows us to yeah take the win.
1: Yeah. I think it's interesting looking at this is only our fourth game of the year in the season anyway. Yeah. And um, I mean the que- there is obviously going to be questions at this stage of the season because obviously it's right at the start and there's always there's always room for growth and there's always ways to improve. And we didn't have that ability to knock Surrey down properly last week. Like the game, we only won by seven points. Realistically, you feel about how the game was going, it should never have really finished that way. We should have been able to put them away in the third quarter, push out a win, and make it up. Even a 16, 17 point win would have been a lot more comfortable for us and what we would expect of a team of this calibre against a sunny team. So,
0: yeah, you just my... have, to look, though. Yeah. Yeah, they have to look at teams and think, okay, they're going to have good nights, bad nights. But mm-hmm. Thursday very much felt like this is first home game of the season syndrome where a bit of pressure and Surrey played the the bad guy in the drama almost. But yeah. they hung about the cartoon character that they just can't get rid of. Mm-hmm. The game did go down to a one-shot game at one point.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Surrey missed a three-ball to take it to make it level. Actually, they might have had a they were only down two and the three ball might have they finally shot a three-ball and that would have given them a lead. Mm-hmm. So but heading think- into that fourth quarter, the only time when they did bring it down and we then got a run of two or three baskets and I went, that's the game done with five minutes to go. It never felt like, sorry, we're going to cross over the line.
2: No.
1: I think my question, question is... is yeah. I think my question, what is not for me to the views, more so for the viewers and going forward, is can we show that killer instinct in this game against Plymouth and put them away? Not, yeah. Don't keep the game close. That's all, like, close games are better for stories. They're better for the excitement of the game. But in terms of us getting momentum and us showing what we're capable of, we yep. need we need that win where it is a dominant win.
2: Absolutely. And I think
1: that the Manchester game to start the season off was a good win. We got momentum, but it was a rough start. It was a rough start for that game. We got momentum in the second half and we ran with it. We need to start and that with, third, was
6: it a third quarter, our
0: third quarter defense was probably what won that game.
1: Yeah. And um, I mean you look at that score. That's what 97-79. We're capable of scoring 97 points in this league. Yeah. Could we could we theoretically in our second game in our home venue break a hundred points against Plymouth? It's, it's up to the guys on the court to make it happen.
0: Absolutely. So we're gonna go in and feel optimism. We're both it sounds like calling a win for us. So let's move on. We're gonna preview a wee bit now towards the European campaigns. We obviously in our heads when we started putting this episode together, we're hopefully gonna also be previewing uh the Euro Cup women's game uh over in Israel. Unfortunately, we've seen the kind of um tensions and difficulties uh, people are facing uh across the world, I suppose, uh, over this conflict. So um unfortunately that meant that FIBA have suspended all basketball activities for teams going to and teams coming out of Israel for this moment in time. So we will yeah, need to wait and see for if and when that game potentially gets rearranged. That, however, doesn't mean there's no other games to look forward to in Europe. The women obviously are have their first home game next week against Benfica. Benfica come across as as we know that big massive Portugal team. We've all heard of it from a footballing point of view, but they're an absolute basketball powerhouse. Furthermore, in the women's group, they will also face up against Belgian opposition in basket Namur Capital. And um, a game that they might, they might see as maybe being their best chance to win. Um, but hopefully, hopefully the girls still get a full six matches in that uh, as that's some massive bit of the journey. And it's going to be exciting to see how that team does, Mitchell.
1: 100%. I mean for me that the excitement started when they went to Spain and did amazing in the Spanish teams. That was for me that was a big moment of they've the the team Miguel's put together is an incredible team and they've taken some of the best players from across the domestic league brought in great players internationally as well and they, it all fit, seems to fit really seamlessly so far. And I'm really excited to see them get on the floor and actually play. So you can guarantee when that Benfica come, game comes, I will be there. Because I'm not missing a moment of it. It's going to be great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll have on the channel over the next few days a uh, preview to their season with Miguel or Katega and Chantel Handic, just similar to what we did with Gareth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who... I'm, I'm interested to see you've obviously touched widely of how exciting this team looks. We've obviously seen Chantel... As a absolute veteran of our sport in this country, we've got Erin McCarrykin as well, who's forced our way back into the GB reckoning after her performance last season. We've got Robin Lewis, but we've also then recruited some absolutely intriguing players from domestically, and Samantha Roscoe, Hannah Rob, Kian, Ke- uh, Omar Jones, um, Kirsty Brown. We've then got the return to Scotland of Lake and James. We've got new talent into the league, like Ariadna Pujol, Avina Putra, uh, Bintu, and then obviously Inday as well, and you're like, you're just looking at and going, wow, um, I caught a glimpse of practice last Friday for them and the intensity was superb, but who stands out from your point of view of the new talent into the team?
1: I think early doors from what I've seen so far, Kirsty Brown has been a massive standout for me. I think she's played really good basketball so far and she's consistently put up really good points and really good rebounds and she's just playing in a really good team role so far. Um, I think that she'll be be a difference maker for us for sure domestically. I'm interested to see how she matches up in Europe because we saw what she could do already in pre-season and she did pretty good there. I'm interested to see how she matches up a Euro Cup standard. Obviously, this was the level that London Lions were playing at last year where they made the playoffs. So... It's a, it's a standard we should be aspiring to be competitive if not make the playoffs as well we want yeah. to be competitive that is what we're aiming for um i think that this team has definitely got the potential to do that um aside from kirsty i like ariana puyol as well i feel like she brings a, le- a level of insight and leadership from having that experience at top level spain where yeah. she can work directly with miguel in their native language, get a lot of communication barriers, overcame and can dictate what happens on the floor effectively and be able to do it in the best way possible. Um, She's a player that we note that when, also you mentioned the pre-season when she played for Barcelona in the past, so she's used to the highest standards possible for clubs. And this is a new challenge for her. So coming to a different team, different league, different nationality as well. It's all a different experience for her. And I mean, to be fair, I'm looking forward to the whole team. <laughs> They're all all looking amazing. And the fact that all these new additions on top of who we've already had who's coming back, the team's just getting better and better. I mean, if you've listened to Below the Rim, you know how much um how much ads talks about Sam Roscoe and the advice yeah. she has. And I will admit she's a, she's a lot taller than I expected. <laughs> Sort of up close you're like okay you're actually yeah yeah she will be a problem as well and she will i mean domestically she was great for manchester last year so bringing her up here was a no-brainer
0: yeah i you've you kind of need more players i want you to mitchell so that i can least share some of the the love Um, so i think it's one of these fascinating teams like I mean, ex- Hannah Rob, in my opinion, changed that first game for the women in EuroBasket this year. She won them that first game. Her defense was intense. She played awesome. She took out their best player in that first game, that basically eliminated eliminated them from the competition. Waking James is another one. I that said that she was unreal when she when the when she played for Pride last time out. Um, she seems to have really settled in and leading the lights, but. You also then, on the other hand, had Ndai, who I think looks like she'll be the kind of maybe potentially the starting point guard. She led the team and her nationality, her nation, in, in and Basket this summer. They finished third. She was think, enough, top scorer, second top scorer in the whole competition. So it's a team full of such sheer depth and talent that it's going to be really exciting. So for any gladiator fans out there, get along, support the women's team uh, in Europe. It'll be great to hopefully pack out that. That game against Benfica, uh, mm. in, uh, a play sport, and at Placeport, it'll be hopefully an absolute classic encounter uh, on mm. what will be the women's first game in Europe. And actually, it's now going to be obviously the first game in Europe, and it's going to be at home, so an even better reason to get out and support the team. It's Mitchell, no better, yeah,
1: no better opportunity to support um, women's basketball than in this game.
0: Absolutely. So as you said as well, Mitchell. Um, and now, I said, our, sorry. As we said, Mitchell, the men are as well off in European action over the next two weeks. We've got some crazy trips, though. Some we have played the defending champions in Poland. We've got a trip to Transylvania. We've then got a trip to Bilbao and Bilbao in Spain. And you would think Spain, that one, would be easiest to get to, but it's actually not. We will have a full uh, preview of these groups. We'll have hopefully on the channel over the next week or so. Before that. Um, EBA commentator Josh Bet on to discuss and tell us more about these teams, which I think will be really compelling, interesting listening. So hopefully check that out over the next few days. But Mitchell, how what how do you, how excited are you for this for campaign as well?
1: I'm really excited for more European action for the men's side as well. I think any opportunity for the club to go into Europe is a big big deal. And um, you look at the team we're facing, and we're facing the reigning. Europe Cup champions in Anvil, Oklahoma, in our group, and that in itself is a a massive privilege for us. The fact we get them in our group in the first year is a massive, massive uh, privilege for us, because that will show us the standard straight away of what is needed to win this competition. And if we aspire to be in Europe Cup and Champions League in years to come, what better way than to face the champions and see what what standard is expected of us?
0: And Um, I suppose this is the standard. That the club want to learn from, want to see, and it's something that the organization talks really openly about. About well, we're here to take challenges. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, then we want to face the champs, we want to face the best, we want to learn, we want to find out what they do, how we can learn from our our rivals as such to grow and develop as a club. And you're talking about it's also just learning to deal with travel. We're trying, we're heading to places <coughs> that no Scottish basketball club's been since like the eighties or nineties. Yeah. It's a long time since we've seen Scottish basketball teams play in European competition um and even longer for like the women's team as well like it's, it's gonna be an absolute amazing journey um for anyone going out to see any of the games traveling on the road, absolutely massive commitment so well done to any fans looking to go to away games. I'm still hopeful to try and get out to one or two um and I better get booking flights.
1: I can't I can't wait to experience other venues and just see how basketball's is treated and reacted to by other cultures and other other nations because you hear stories, you see videos of how it looks from um, from for massive teams like for that. well Partizan Belgrade is always what comes to mind. Have
0: you watched well, some like, Euroleague highlights this yes. week?
2: <laughs> oh, <yes>. Wow.
1: <laughs> that crowd in itself is phenomenal. And like you see the passion yeah. and the energy they bring every minute of the game. It's, It's beautiful. It really is. And you hear stories from our from our the men's captain, Hallie Faro, about his experiences in Kosovo, and it's a very similar experience. They're very passionate about their basketball. So I'd be interested. I'm interested in all of our matchups, but in terms of experience of the game, I feel like our matchup in Romania against um, CSU Sibiu, and our game in Poland against Anvil RoClaw. Will be very interesting to see how do they com- how does their experience compare to us, and then from there, what's the standard they play at compared to us? Because obviously, Anvil won Euro Cup last year. Sibiu, from what I did look into from a little bit of research, they seem to their league's quite interesting. The fact they've split the two groups for two different phases of the year, at least that's what I could find. That could be wrong on that. Nice but they seem to finish fifth out of 10 in both of their group stages, which leads me to believe they're, in, in terms of Romania standards, they're middle of the table. But where does that match up with us? We have no idea, because that, the Eastern European style of basketball is so different to the style that we play here. It could be a massive culture clash or we get completely overpowered the entire game. There's only one way to find out. By going there and playing them.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's going to be for both both sides such a massive journey. So we wish both squads all the best and no doubt. We'll obviously talk about the games when we get the chance to On this. Last thing, Mitchell. (laughs) A new feature to the podcast we're going to have for this season is we're both going to nominate our Gladiator of the Week. That Gladiator of the Week will then poll Whoever you choose against whoever I choose, or and if we have any guests on who they choose, and yeah, we'll have a bit of fun with this and see who the listening listeners pick is who their overall gladiator of the week is. We could pick any week, we'll pick one each. It could be from the women's team, it could be from the men's team, and yeah, we'll poll to see who people think has been their gladiator of the week. So, who's your nomination for gladiator of the week oh,
1: okay i'm gonna look i'm gonna pull up the box score i'm a horrible stats fan i like looking at some stuff i like having that information to hand. okay so give me a minute let me look
0: oh come on I'm-
1: i need to i'm like i'm a very data-driven guy i like having the numbers there <laughs> but, but i look for stuff that's maybe behind the scenes because for example I'm not, he's not my pick, but Prince Ong wants played 14 40 minutes and you look statistically, he didn't look, doesn't wouldn't look like he did very much that game at all. He had one rebound, two assists and a steal, and, and one foul. But anyone that watched the game could tell you his impact was much bigger than the stats would show. There's always a few of those guys in any game, and for me, my pick for Gladiator of the Week is Mihailo Jovojevic. Pure, like not just because his, his stats are okay for the game. He's he played one of his best games in a Gladiators uniform against Surrey. For me, the standout for it was his intensity on defense. He showed little moments on offense of his aggression and showing that quick speedness that we saw, um, in Serbia before. We just need more of that. We need to get more of it out of him. Defensively, his intensity that he played against Andrew Lawrence and Justin Robinson in Surrey was phenomenal. And I feel like he gave his all for all 21 minutes he was on the floor. And I think he's probably my pick for who my gladiator of the week is. How about you? Who's your pick?
0: Oh, I think I was wondering who you'd pick to see if I would have to go elsewhere. But I was so impressed by Trent's performance. There was two moments that stood out for me. He he nailed one of his three. He ran up for it and did a massive fist bump. There was also a moment that didn't result in uh, points for us, but he got, it was the three-point block he's got where the guy was pushing his clock. His defence was superb. He was right on his man. His man's going to shoot the three ball and he's blocked him. He's then gone down the floor. and I think it was Pat Whelan's passed and It's just overcooked. That's mm-hmm. the intensity I want from the Gladiators this season on defence. So it looks like it's going to be a vote between Trent and Mahalo for Gladiator of the Week. We'll put that poll up. I'll
2: put that poll up, up, true
0: up true tomorrow it, yeah. and probably should go up tonight. We're going to try and get this, we'll try and find a way of getting this podcast out sooner in the week. So, right now, it's been recorded Wednesday, day before the game. Uh, we probably need to try and get it out sooner, yeah. which we will aim to do. So, Mitchell.
1: Fun fact before we finish up for, again, data driven. But Buttrick and Jowicic have the same plus-minus for the game. (laughs) Just saying.
0: Brilliant. So, for those listening, up to you to decide. Mitchell, thank you for joining us tonight.
1: No problem. Thank you for having me. It's a very Um, interesting week for us. We've got obviously the game on Thursday, but also Sheffield on Sunday too.
0: Yeah, we've not, we've not even previewed Sheffield. we touched on it a wee bit. We've previewed the Pats game and then we'll review next week both games that that we have. And mm. we'll go from there. I suppose we've only previewed the one. Uh, well, we touched on Sheffield a wee bit. We probably could have touched on it a wee bit more, but yeah. we're focused on Plymouth. So with we, Sheffield we as well, yeah, as I've said. I mean, I'm up, kind of saying, I, I, I've said they're the same as Plymouth, so
1: meh. Well. I would place I I don't know. I'm, I'm more worried about Sheffield right now than I am about Plymouth. But I think that, I don't know, we'll see. Sheffield have, have been a team that really raised eyebrows early in the year. I'm interested to see what happens with that. And I'm, I'm hoping we'll, we'll play better than some other teams have against them. But yeah. the fact that they've Newcastle by a lot would raise the eyebrows. I think more so because Newcastle aren't playing well, more so than Sheffield played really well so the question is for me is the one, the Plymouth game is obviously immediate, that's coming up so yep. the, regardless of the result of that, how do we play against Sheffield and prepare for Sibiu on Wednesday it's all a stepping stone absolutely, so to everyone listening
0: thank you for listening and um, enjoy the weekend basketball action, and we will catch you on the next episode of Gladcast.
1: Big shots. Davis to reply. Yes, he hits a three. Three three-pointers in quick succession at either end of the floor. The Rocks have it now. Durham brings it across mid-court. He's uh, getting harassed by
4: Evans. Still have fouls to give Cheshire. Here's Sloan to the basket. Out to
5: one in the corner for the win. Oh! oh! Can you believe it? David Sloan! With on the bottom and the calendar English go